0: Welcome to Ready Layer One. It's a Web3 podcast that focuses on the near ecosystem. And in this week, we interview the team over at Harmonic Guild, and their product is called Harmonic. And Joe, or, or it's a TBD to be to be named fully, but it's Harmonic Guild is the uh, group. So, Joe, if you want to, what do you think about this? Yeah, this is really interesting. We wanted them to
1: come on. Um, they are a democratic, decentralized uh, company yeah. and autonomous company, and. What's interesting about it is they're really trying to solve some problems in the music industry, and that's where the harmonic piece comes from. And I think to hear them talk about what they're trying to solve and how they're trying to use blockchain specifically uh, to solve these problems, it really is a nice use case of why the technology of blockchain and NFTs can really be powerful beyond what we're seeing as use cases today.
0: Yeah, and Joe, I uh, thanks for... Like, as you listen to this, you're going to, it takes me a while to understand how this whole project works. Right. And this is like something I, why I really like doing the show is because, you know, at first I'm like, oh, this is what I think it is. And then about 45 minutes in, it really clicks for me. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought it was really cool once I'm like, oh, that's what like at least part of this is about. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think one of the things that we try to do with our podcast is always not just educate, but try to introduce like what are the actual, possibilities here exactly, and it's so uh, so easy to get caught up in all of the hype things Mm -hmm. but these companies like harmonic that are building behind the scenes that are building these true infrastructure type of plays not and again not infrastructure that other people are necessarily going to build on but infrastructure to allow people to actually empower themselves right like the the, yeah the uh, ethos of crypto and that's what they're really trying to to do for the music industry
0: Absolutely. And I've been saying this a lot lately, you know, like uh, people always overestimate how much they can do in a year and they underestimate how much they can do in a decade. And I think in Web3 and crypto, this like is so rampant. People want so much. Like we have like 2023 UX UI Web2 ideas totally 1993 Web3 infrastructure. And what's cool is I think uh, in talking to the team here and it was uh, Quinn was the person and then. Just Winder. So they joined us and we uh, discussed really, really got into it. And uh, I'm really excited about this. And this is a long-term play. And there's a really cool bit uh, about them talking about how they're like in like sitting with execs, sending near to musicians at 2 a.m. to try to get and also where some friction points are. So this is a really interesting podcast. So uh, we really hope you enjoy. Yeah.
1: I figured today, the reason why I really wanted to have you guys on was I a couple of reasons. One, I think the... Concept that you have at Harmonic Guild is really interesting. And I really mm-hmm. think it's worth talking about. And I know Same. you guys have been in the space for a while. And then the other part of it is that you guys are also builders. I mean, so just wonder you're doing a ton of stuff that is around just, you know, leveraging the Nier, uh toolkit and everything else like that. I'd love to kind of dive into that a little bit of, you know, what makes it unique and this kind of stuff that you guys are building. There's like top secret stuff that you guys have coming down the road. You don't have to talk about now, but we just, <laughs> I just kind of want to get like into the whole kind of picture where you're you're combining both a true product and you're trying to experiment as well yeah so i know quinn do you want to kind of kick off a little bit of like what harmonic guild is
2: sure yeah um harmonic is a decentralized autonomous company um we are trying to build technologies um and platforms for musicians uh to send content to their fans um to be consumed by their fans. This is, although musicians are a target client, um, it's not always music that we're dealing with. Um, We think that there is definitely a lot of value in music video. Um, And so we're just trying to create these systems that can improve upon the status quo for streaming audio and video. Uh, It's a big technological leap to get there considering the limitations of of what we're facing. So we're, we're out in the field one by one onboarding musicians, you know, QR codes on stickers at concerts, um, trying to get fans financially onboarded and understanding what wallets are. Um, and so it's a, you know, a sophisticated operation, diverse operation, uh, getting in, getting into these things and, and you know, trying to build uh, things that people actually wanna use and that are as easy as what they're used to.
1: Can you talk a little bit about like why the choice to go decentralized Kind of as I, as I was almost say as an autonomous organization versus being just a typical regular company, sure.
2: Uh, I Joshua might be uh, a bit, um, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a democracy nerd, um, yeah. I went to school for it. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of shortcomings in our economy, and a lot of that is um, failure to empower workers. Um, and uh, without, you know, I could spend an entire time talking about <laughs> decentralized autonomous um, companies. We've got a lawyer uh, that's a member of our group, um, Adam Long, who'd also be super interested in, uh, in getting to the weeds on that. But but it is, so blockchain enables us to, at the fundamental base layer, make democratic decision-making possible. That's never Not been me. possible, possible before. In the in the history of the world, right? Quit, so this you are talking this is a my language right
0: now. Yeah. This is you you want to talk yeah. about let's we're gonna get real here. This is we might cut yeah. this part because it's about to get heated. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're cr- gonna we're gonna get in the weeds. Uh and so
2: how can you so we believe that people want a democratic product as well, right? We believe that YouTube is anti-democratic agree and uh Spotify is anti-democratic, and that Agrees. these organizations are using their platform to benefit entrenched interests. That's I mean you can look at the follow the dollar like that's a fact mm-hmm. um and so we want to build in the long run a democratic platform um but those toolings don't exist so we have to build the toolings ourselves so in some way we're our own first customer and there's a ton of risk associated with it because the prior art doesn't exist in the legal system yeah. um, and also it's a great way to start up per se you know to be able to exchange yeah assets and spread risk across an organization that is trying to build a
1: you know diverse growth um, architecture mm-hmm. are you registered in the united states or you're just someplace else we are we're oh, a delaware llc okay so see that's interesting too i think because the initial fear always for people just fear but like the concept is like i'm afraid to actually do anything in a place like the united states because there's no legal precedent or some things are too restrictive. So everybody goes offshore. Yeah. Right. So I think that's yeah. interesting that you guys are also trying to kind of set a model yeah. of what it could be here as well.
3: One of the things we also talk about in the same thing is that uh, any new song that you pick up or any new album that you pick up, there is always a focus on how does this album goes the most viral, right? How does the song can include a hook step, which would go viral on TikTok or Instagram. So... so we have been talking about that, how the some of the music out there is not really pure anymore. It's just for more engagement on social media. Yeah. Uh, because because that's what the wheels of the new internet drives, right? Because more engagement, more advertisement, more revenue for the platforms and you as well, even if it's just 2%, what, sure. whatever. It's exhausting. Uh, I think yeah, yeah.
0: like from a content creator, like, here's what yeah. I think we're, I think you guys are interesting positioning because AI just came out, right? The last three months, it's done more than any other industry I've seen. And I think there's going to actually be a backlash because now, now it's like, AI can create music. AI can create videos. AI can create voiceover. AI can create, in, in a year from now, AI will be able to create infinite amounts of content. So you'll just have these podcast hosts extreme- oh 100 there's a guy doing a podcast like i'm like joe how do we like this is this is a means to an end like there's no way but an ai can do me real quick i'm not that original right they're like you know i i'm i my my current chat gpt i say write it like me and it does And i'm like oh scary (laughs) so like uh i think there might be a backlash where people want less content fewer pieces of content but more direct and real content if that makes sense i'm just speculating but i'm hoping
3: it does it does we have also talked about it that how do we make the connection between the musicians and the fans a bit more deeper just like it was before the whole social media engagement took over and then made that the thing that the music should do instead of what the music was supposed to do i'm not saying there's not good music out there there's being Uh released tons of it yeah. But then there's still some way which is uh, the main focus ends up being social media engagement.
1: Yeah. Is the idea a little bit around like the old fan club model? Is it kind of like that? Um, sort
2: of. the We do find really interesting black market economies in music, kind of like patronage economies mm-hmm. in music. Um, Where like a rich guy that likes your music will come to town and buy all the songwriters drinks. Um, <laughs> so there is a little bit of insider versus outsider, but you kind of want to make, make everybody feel yeah. included. I, I think it's more yeah. like super fan access or, or strong fan access, like somebody who's willing to watch an hour long, you know, songwriters go up into the cabins in the mountains and then they do like these, you know, demo sessions. Um, and they're like an hour long and people people who are super fans love them, but that doesn't really translate to TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of where we, we think we might find a, you know, there's a spectrum between like fast media and the audio and interviews and stuff, and we don't want to be too, you know, everything. But uh, but you know, long form video can make people feel close to the close to the action, and, and I think that's an important part of it.
1: One thing I think that comes to mind, and we've been asking a lot more of some different companies as we talk to them, is you know, why the choice of building this on a blockchain. Because, you know, the immediate pushback a lot of times that we hear is that people are overusing the block. They're just using it just to use it. So how do you guys actually see yourselves leveraging in a way that makes sense that you couldn't do in Web2? There
3: are a lot of uh, reasons, decentralization, transparency, and we would come to that. They are important. But one of the major reasons for both of us, I think, was the financial transactions the new applications that are going to be built on, no matter if it's on blockchain or not, but they do need a native payment system. So if you're doing NEAR, you have to do it in NEAR. If if you're doing it on any other chain, the native chain's token does it very well. But if you're connecting to another system, it is going to bring in inefficiencies from that system, right? So, and because at the end of the day, the money is anything that gets you value. It could be an on-chain token, it could be a piece of paper, et cetera, et cetera. So we are saying internet needs native money for its more efficient applications and stuff. That's why blockchain is the thing to build internet apps, because without the money moving from part A to part B, the world doesn't work. And uh, if the money is moving in one system and you are on the other system, it's very inefficient. So mm-hmm. let bring the money on the same system where your applications are running. So that's that's pr- probably the primary reason, Quentin, You can counter that, of course. And I think next is transparency. We do think that, as we have been hearing creator about creator economy for more than a decade, uh, platforms used it very well to make them very very rich. Yeah. Uh, whereas the truth was creator economy was a facade to make corporates richer and richer because at the end of the day, creators just only got like, I don't know, 10% yeah, or 20% yeah. and then the corporates made rest of the money. So it's not really creator economy, although it has been sold to us as creator economy. Mm-hmm. So I think when we bring in transparency to that system, people are going to realize that, okay, no, I do deserve 80% and the platform deserves 20 or maybe 2 or 25 uh,
0: Whatever. I really like this philosophy because I work in marketing. The most important thing to any Web2 marketing tech company is users. <clears throat> users have a value yeah. on them, but users don't get any of that value, right? Yeah. Like there's no value for the user, but yet they, they're they worth so much. Yeah. And I think blockchain right. does a really interesting thing. And not a lot of projects are thinking of it this way, but I, I'm really, I like that you guys are, where the fan can has value right? Like the only mm-hmm. reason any of these big musicians have values because their fans have value too. So being able to find yeah. a way to have like sort of like a harmonious way to like fan yeah. and stuff. I, I think that that's yeah. interesting.
3: So financial infrastructure, uh, which lives in the same system as your application lives is a huge advantage. And then transparency is another one. And I think Quentin do you want to chip in with yeah, other things? There's there's like a
2: joke in the music industry where if somebody cuts you a check for $10,000, you can be rest you can rest assured that they owe you $20,000. <laughs> uh, that's just that's just sort of how it works and the you know the PROs, its performance rights organization systems are extremely inefficient. We've yeah. got overlapping jurisdictions, it's a legal and administrative quagmire. And then you expect, you know, a bunch of, you know, four 19 year old rockers to be able to administer this effectively. Uh, It's just not, just not a well organized system. Yeah. Um, And not to mention that the rockers are splitting something four ways like five piece bands have virtually disappeared just because there's not enough money
0: in it. Uh,
2: Like, when was the last time a, even four piece rock brand really broke out in the U S it's been a long time. Like people are right. talking like the Arctic monkeys. That was 2005. Uh, right. Great it, band. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so that, that kind of breakout as a rock band doesn't really exist. And I think you see that even it's reflected in music. Um, that's why I like Billie Eilish and a lot of those sort of single front person um, pop bands are, are the biggest just because it's possible to break out and become a full-time musician more easily than it is for a rock band. I mean, tastes also have changed, but that's a major component. Um, w- so one of the things we, you have to do is create this smart contract infrastructure um, that can accurately sort of reflect and pay out um, the many collaborators that, that can be found um, supporting a musical act, you know, all of the individual musicians sometimes there's a lot of them sometimes there's one-on-one song and you know the guy the touring guitarist on one song and then it's the session guitarist on another mm-hmm. um, and then there's managers and influencers and promoters and touring managers and labels and so everybody's getting a slice um, and that's an incredibly inefficient system as it stands right now and only really the big labels can adequately like transfer funds effectively to do that um, and the small guys have a have a huge burden on them to try to you know uh, yeah, administer so. all of that. But with with smart contracting, we can make that you know through kind of a fast collaborative team building step, and then instantly process payments. It just has a lot of advantages for the the kind of financial transparency um, and the pass through
1: that's that's necessary. It's really interesting. So. If I'm a band, right, and I come to you guys, where do you sit within my personal ecosystem? Like, are you between me and the record label? Um, are you like where does that where do you guys kind of sit? So
2: it depends. Um, we like to talk about um, you know, full time musicians with a full time job, um, <laughs> because that's kind of the the reality of how it is. Um if you are if you have a label, especially a label that isn't very very small, uh, you would communicate with us largely through your label or your management, and then we we would try to sign in uh, a deal with um, with them uh, mm-hmm. on your behalf, mm-hmm. um, because you're already entrusting them to negotiate these things for you, and they just have the data. Um, if you're an independent band, income directly to us, um, and we will set you up. Uh, a lot of times we find the sweet spot is you have a manager, but not a label.
0: I kind of want to go like three use cases. The person who's in a band playing on a street for money, the slightly bigger per band with a, you know, a manager, and then the main big one with a label. Is that like a good way to like showcase your product in three use cases so people listening can kind of grasp
3: it?
2: Sort of. So it's there's like independent struggling musicians are an important important use case. There are music NFT entrepreneurs and also just like music business hustlers. There's, we call them sometimes, we also call them sometimes flash entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. um, which is somebody who is a guitar player, but they're also a producer. So they're in music full-time, but usually they have a small business and they do, um, they do multiple things. And then, yeah, there's, there's medium labels and up. So if you're an independent musician, hopefully we'll find you. (laughs) We have uh, an elaborate Outreach campaign that's getting ever more sophisticated, Um, you know, we go out into the field and uh, bug musicians right after they get off stage and say hey have you ever heard of this, Um, and so hopefully hopefully we'll find you, you can also hit us up, all our socials are live harmonic guild, Twitter, uh, Instagram coming soon, Um, our website, you know, you can send me an email, I will find (laughs) you know, Uh, if you are. A sort of slash entrepreneur, um, there's definitely the capacity uh, to onboard musicians as sort of an agent of ours. Um, And so a lot of these people have like a roster of like, you know, you know, managers, small, small managers, or they've got a roster of like five or so, or like, hey, I produce for all the guys in this town or whatever. And they can sort of come in and coordinate with us, and they can actually be the accounts manager like the musician accounts manager for us and then we cut them in through royalty as a account manager Um, and then the labels yeah we directly directly go to the labels and we negotiate for their content and and spend you know a lot of time going in and trying to explain how this works Um, we definitely focus on the smaller labels as it stands just because the Large labels have, there are, you know, six or so of them and they have a huge bureaucracy, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it is, it is what it is. And, you know, it takes a long, would take a long time to get the catalog of, you know, Sony or something like that. Um, Another really interesting one is legacy artists. Um, We've got um, some, some client, client managers who are really interested in legacy artists who are trying to, you know, guys from the guys and girls from the 90s who you know their social media presence isn't great and they're kind of skipping a little bit of the uh of the in between where everyone was you know getting hyped from youtube and spotify and going to the next thing to mm-hmm. expand that engagement and, and a lot of times they have super fans too that really want more content
1: and is that the idea is that you guys are adding as the distribution for that content or are you are you providing a more full suite of uh, products for them? I do think of us as
2: distributors in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, I, although we're mostly a tech platform, like distributors also do a lot of advertising and stuff that we, sure. we you know, sometimes those slash entrepreneurs or, or um, independent agents do that. Um, so that that's, you know, more than half of what distribution is. Um, but we are, you know, we are a platform as well as mm-hmm. kind of a, we're, we're making the transition from product suite to platform, right? You can't, nobody wants to go to a streaming platform that just has 10 artists on it, right? So right, right. now we're doing the one by one um, yeah. and we're just yeah. trying to give a better immersive, better display um, consumption
1: experience with that. That That's interesting. Can you talk a little bit more? I I like what you're saying here of like, so moving now from a product to a platform, what is, what, where do you see that transition? like? I guess how long does it really? You think that takes you, and you know why? Why is that important for you?
2: Yeah, uh, I don't want to overstate uh, the extent to which we are now moving from being a product to a <laughs> platform. We're firmly in the product stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Platform is a is a is maybe a little bit away. Uh, sure. Although we're we're obviously excited. Um. Yeah. Why that's necessary is is pretty clear. Nobody nobody wants to go to a streaming site that just has. 700 songs on it. I mean, I've saw my Spotify uh, wrapped or whatever. It was like, you know, 15,000 songs, right? So, whoa, yeah, I'm, 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 these never come out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, 15,000 songs is real. That's That's, Um, that's awesome. You know, you got to make these one, these single fan or single artist kind of micro communities, micro platforms. And we do host them on their own domain. Like the artist is already trusted. Right? So, yeah. they don't have to come to us. They go to whatever the band is, you know, NFT. whatever the band is, or streaming. whatever the band is.com. And then it has all their own branding. All the visuals are how they want. They can display the art however they want. We definitely have a bit more. We're still doing custom stuff because it, you have to say yes to things to find out what people really want. Right. Um, yeah, sure. And then, you know, we also set them up with the capacity to do airdrops to their fans, either in person or online. And there's a few other things in the pipeline, but.
0: So I'm a musician. I'm jamming. I'm like, okay, I've got an NFT. Can I then go to your product and, and, and reach out to them, communicate with them, send them things. Like what, what, what does that me giving out that NFT do?
2: The primary thing that we're trying to, you give away the NFT so you can sell the next one. I mean, that's not a super novel uh, business model (laughs) by one you know, give one free and then buy the next one. Um, So you got to, you know, give them access, uh, get them set up with a wallet when it's something that's for free. And then, you know, maybe if they're interested uh, and they want to support the musician, they'll go through, you know, the financial onboarding and um, buy the next set of content Um, while it's still in the sort of sales and
1: NFT sale and product base. Being the age that you know I am, Jared and I are. I don't know how old you guys are, but I, I think if you look at those bands that were coming up, just at the beginning of the internet really gaining popularity, let's say the early two thousands, you yeah. know, and how some of those were able to kind of start to leverage that, and then you have the you know the early two thousand tens but now the internet's a thing, social media is a thing, and discovery. For bands really starts to kind of change and you know and then from there now then just goes to full on like it's only like top billboard 100 if you want to find niche bands it's like it's not easy you know i think of like when jared and i were in college i mean i probably found a new band a week that was legitimate that was really quality um and maybe i downloaded their stuff off of you know like something not quite legal, you know, to get, (laughs) but like those were the opportunities there. But that's, to me, feels like what kind of like NFTs could be, especially like music NFTs where like, I would have loved to be able to, if I had that system, get something directly from the band instead of having to search, you know, through a Napster or through a line where I'm really aging myself, but, (laughs) but you know, of those different services to try to find that stuff. And so now like Discovery kind of i feel like can go back to where that was previously uh i can find a small band and i can find someone that i can support and grow over time that is really really gotten gotten lost uh in the past
3: i would say you know yeah. 5 years or so that's actually an interesting point we we have uh we have been recently talking about uh I mean, it started with sorting NFTs <laughs> and the discussion went on to the same discovery philosophy. Like, how do you discover things anymore on online, which sure. are not driven by the whole social media engagement algorithm? I mean, if you go on Twitter, algorithm will only recommend you uh, what it has been been doing behind the scenes. Uh, so if there's a small band which is really good but they suck at social media engagement if they don't have a social media team there's no way anybody is going to yeah. find them right um and all these organizations are coming up with better and better algorithms but, but then at the end of the day you don't really see anything out so we have been thinking about and this is not very solid this also might be, be too early to say but we have been thinking how do we also democratize discovery as well? Hmm. Because that also talks to the, again, transparency values of of Web3. So, and I I tweeted this a while ago as well, which which is basically is that the social media of the Web3 is going to be a marketplace of algorithms as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that you as a user, you go and you choose the algorithm, which is the most healthy for you. Right? It could be as simple as saying, just show me uh, feed, just show me videos on the basis of the time date they were added or geography or whatever it can, it can become more and more complex, but the end user has have the ability to choose the algorithm that they, they, they think is good for them. And then all the developers around the world uh, can build algorithms and put it on and then people who go and select these algorithms, they pay for these algorithms. Devs can monetize these discovery algorithms in real time, uh, and whatnot. And all of this built on chain mm-hmm. uh, brings the transparency that okay, if you're saying these are date sorted uh, videos, are they really date sorted or not? So because of blockchains, oh. the, the, the the and near social does in a way, capable of doing that in a way. We did we did think we might might do something with it but uh, we also think web3 makes discovery more open and democratized and it could actually become a market of algorithms so to speak the market sure was completely relevant yeah
2: <laughs> the other side of the same coin uh like another way to put algorithm here is playlist mm. right uh-huh. uh, the algorithm we're talking about and the playlist that we're talking about are, are not they're you know a playlist is just a very rigorous algorithm, right? And so there's yeah. also this, and there exists right now playlist influencers and sort of taste makers that can be an interesting and important component of organizing and distributing music in you know in a certain mm-hmm. order to um, to the fan through a, through you know a one at a time stream.
0: Nice. Also, I think like your playlist is an algorithm would be a great shirt because like, <laughs> we all sure. think I remember when I, my, I was younger, we would make like mix tapes and mix CDs and mix things. And there was a very heavy curation that like mm-hmm. when you made a mix tape or I was around right on the cusp of tape CD, when you made a mix CD for somebody that was like legit, you were like basically Yeah. like that was like yeah. that took some Ask time.
3: Yeah, yeah you're yeah. sending a
0: CD
2: to the girl you like and you're like, is this love song coming on too strong? Like, let me right. really think about this.
0: I do yeah. love this song though. I mean, right. I, I got a lot of miles out of Phil Collins. That guy, <laughs> he was, he still holds up. Yeah. Like, because when I, when I think of NFTs, right? Like, I think this is like superpower of NFTs. Like right now, the meta, like the, the flipping and all that of NFTs, I think that was like the lowest hanging fruit and that's sort of kind of taken off in some areas. But it doesn't really show like, my idea of like how cool and how important nfts non-fungible tokens and the tech around it can be in the future
2: we're debating whether or not to use the word nft at all
0: totally yeah.
2: especially in pop bigger acts they don't want to hear it they got no. burned on all the monkey coins and yeah. tokens and
3: stuff and they're
2: sure. they're done they think it's a scam yeah. they're over it
3: yeah we are saying just don't don't use the word nft we are not mm-hmm. saying use another word for it for instance one of the the things we're trying to explain it to others is we think that okay nfts uh, make your music a financial instrument mm-hmm. but it's it is very possible that it just stays on the back end it doesn't reveal itself to the to the end user right sure. for instance the the user experience of current music consumption audio video consumption is more or less fine from an end user perspective except the fact that algorithm, trying to manipulate you we we can handle that later as well but the ux is the streaming ux is still pretty good right the thing we think is not good is transparency and financial payments Mm -hmm. for instance now if every video at the back end is if it's not just a video in in the database but is instead a nft uh the movement and all the financial transactions are better tracked and you can do it better so we are saying behind the scenes every song, every album, every playlist is now an NFT. It changes hands and the money changes hands and all of that is kept on the blockchain and all of that is automated. But the end user doesn't have to know. So mm-hmm. we are saying NFTs change the back backend of, of media consumption, not really the front end. I mean, we tried doing oh. the front end, but it wasn't really, like we tried selling individual songs via NFTs People bought one or two, and then they're like, oh, no, this is not happening. That That's not how I'm going to listen to music. I'm not going to buy mm-hmm. each and every NFT and then go listen to it. I'm just going to do it the streaming way, the way I'm used to. Sure. So we're saying, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's just oh. change the backend. And, and, the, and the front end stays same, at least in the short term. And then maybe even front end becomes better.
0: It's part infrastructure play, definitely, where you're like creating a product that will help enable musicians to more fairly and just better create sort of leveraging blockchain NFTs because of the transparency and the financial ease, be able to sort of sort back in and stuff like, so, so that $10,000 check that you should have made 20, you can't do that because it's all on chain. So you just get the $20,000 check and you don't even, no one's even cutting it for you because it's all being done on smart contracts. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. I'm in. Okay. All right. Now the podcast can start. Let's start, guys. All right, good. <laughs> uh, cool. We are demonic uh, guilds. <laughs> yeah. so, let's see. What's it explain like I'm five? Uh, <laughs> but uh, well, Jeff, that's, you- also, yeah, that's also Go
2: borrowing ahead. a little bit from the old musician's uh, tale where you got to say your name, the name of your band on stage at least three times during <laughs> your act uh so people remember you Uh, yeah when a band doesn't do what i'm gonna show and a band doesn't do that i'm like oh my gosh you've got 180 people in this room like say your name as many times so they go home and look you up that's what i'm doing harmonic guild
0: (laughs) harmonic everyone
1: there's a lot of things i think that i really become interesting come to mind it's when you talk about like discovery and the algorithm and stuff like that so do you see yourselves with the you know the nft technology do you see that as also, though, as an indexer for a musician's music as well? Because I think about, like, what is actual... When I get a... I'll give you a clear example. So, like, on Spotify, you get those, like, for you playlists that come up, right? So, it tries to give you, you know, like, a daily playlist. And there's sometimes that, honestly, it's just either repurposing music that I've been listening to. So, great. I guess it makes sense. Or... It it's stuff that like I'm not totally sure how they put those pieces together, and sometimes I like the music, and sometimes it's great, sometimes, but I'm not always there. But I feel like you are you seeing a point where if you're now kind of tokenizing music, where you have that metadata and interesting that that you can also really fully expose how those suggestions are being made, where there's no insight into any of that stuff now. It could be just because somebody paid Spotify to make sure this shows up on X
3: number of playlists, right? Right. Yeah, so that's why we're saying that uh, a good argument against uh, open algorithms could be that the Web2 companies can do too. Uh, All these developers can build algorithms and then end users can choose between them. But we are saying, where is the inherent transparency infrastructure uh, in Web2? Because even if you show that, okay, this is the algorithm that is gonna recommend you things, at the end of the day, that algorithm is still hosted on a central database that Spotify uh, owns and they can change it. Mm -hmm. They might not, but I don't want to trust them with that. Uh, So the inherent capability uh, to verify things and not just uh, say they exist, like verifiability is is the major proposition uh, that the Web3 makes. So we are saying <clears throat> you will actually be able to dig into the algorithm yourself and see, okay, was this playlist recommended to me because this is, these are the certain mathematics that they applied or just somebody put it in in, mm-hmm. in there. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where I would love to be able to see of like, be able to click on the song. Like, like why did you just show me the song? Yeah, You know, exactly. It, just, it feels like that so happened. out of the blue you know yeah
3: exactly that happens to me uh, happens to me on youtube all the time mm. right i'm listening to a podcast on how to learn rust and then the next video that i'm recommended is about cats or dogs right. yeah <laughs> right. which, which i yeah. don't mind but <laughs> <laughs> why they got you they're right, like right, you're right, like listen right. i love a
0: cute cat doing things but what is one thing that you're finding that is like the hardest thing to overcome?
3: Yeah. I think one of the major hurdles that we are seeing, and hopefully it will be solved soon, is, is still people not wanting to write passphrases when they create a wallet. And I know you guys must deal with that too. I mean, we have made it easier. In Near, in initial days, we dealt with the fact that everybody who makes a Near name needs initial point mm-hmm. zero two Near, and we send them manually, like Quinton and I am sitting there and we're sending <laughs> people Near manually at 2 a.m. during That's the concert when everybody's <laughs> when everybody's getting drunk, we are sending them near <laughs> on the other side of the world. Uh, but then keep came and all of us mm-hmm. were relieved. Yeah. Um but even today, even even with keep if if you are if you are at a concert, you're probably drunk. Would you really write a passphrase at that moment? Uh, mm-hmm. so we don't want you to. Uh, that hopefully will get solved with new iterations of Keepom. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Hopefully, Matt, I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, that that's probably the, the biggest hurdle that I see. Technically, I, I think there are a lot of other things from a non-technological standpoint as well. But technically, I think writing passphrase is not the way no. it has to go. I mean, you can write it down next day when you're back home, probably hungover, but okay, you can write it down, save it. But at the moment, can you do it? If you are on concert and stuff, yeah. which are we, which we are saying are the one of the major ways to sort of onboard people uh, to such platforms uh, in bulk. Of course, there's organic uh, reach, but if we are onboarding people in bulk from concerts and festivals and clubs and fan clubs and whatnot, uh, <clears throat> they won't be able to write passphrases. Mm. So I I think that's that's one of the major things. Why near like, how did you, how did you both find
1: near, uh, and, and, you know, why does this feel like the chain to actually build a product like this on,
2: uh, how we found near, uh, pretty simple looking for low transaction fees, because we figured music NFTs would be Mm 10 bucks and not 150 bucks. I mean, this was back Mm -hmm. in the day and Mm -hmm. you couldn't get an Ethereum transaction through for less than $90. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just did some research and found it, um, talked with uh, the old, talked with uh, Shreyas and mm-hmm. Chloe and the former creatives DAO um, and Rekha. And yeah, they were fired up and got us inspired and mm-hmm. um, went through uh, some work with the uh, firm Minting Music um, and then The Future Charmed. Um, just sort of talking about different ways to do this. Uh, and, yeah, the rest is history, I guess.
0: <laughs> right now, like I, I've been saying this thing, like uh, people always overestimate how much they can do in a year and underestimate how much they can do in a decade. And I feel like your project is one of those that this could apply to because like you're ch- you're you're doing something with like you've got passion behind it. you're you're solving something for the greater good of a system. That's gonna take some time. The tech's gonna catch up to the ideas because it's got a lot to it, and it's gonna be built out. And you guys are moving forward, and I, I just think that's great that you guys are sending near to people at like two in the morning <laughs> so they could open wide. The guy at
2: Sony's sitting at the table, and it's not quite working. And I've got I've got my computer set up on at a hotel in Nashville. I love I'm bothering this. Josh via WhatsApp to send the guy's thing, and we're getting we were getting some. There was some bug. I forget exactly what it was. It was because accounts were timing out faster than we could put them in because our, our system wasn't very good. And yeah. so then they would get a hash based near key instead or of me, public key instead of uh, a near name. And then they're like, "What is this?" And we're trying to migrate them. <laughs> it worked out great. <laughs> Seamless experience.
1: I'm really curious to see what you guys are doing long term. You know, as you grow, um, and you know, I I think it's great to see products like yours that are focused on actually a clear solution to a problem that exists today instead of trying to make up a problem that's being solved. So uh, I'm really excited to see see your
0: growth. So good luck. Thank you guys all for being here.
2: Thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for having us. Thank you.
0: Ready Layer 1 is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. You should not make any decision, financial investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented in this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consulting and consultation with a professional broker or
1: financial advisor.